Welcome to today's edition of the Blazing Grace Show with your trio of hosts, Jason Grace, Rob McIntyre, and Mike Janun. Blazing Grace covers blazing issues with grace-filled answers. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Here are your hosts, Jason, Rob, and Mike. Welcome to the Blazing Grace Radio Show. This is Rob McIntyre in studio with Mike Janung. Hey, Mike. Hey, Rob. Hey, uh, Jason's not here today, so our listeners are probably wondering who in the heck I am bringing in the intro, right? And yeah, we're not going to call this the Robbie Mac show either. Oh, doggone it. I wanted to do that. Well, today we got a great show for you folks. Uh, we, we have in studio Garrett and Rachel and also Sean and Cheryl out there in Canada on the phone. And we're going to be talking about uh, sexual addiction and recovery. So we got two couples who are married and they're going to share their stories. So Cheryl and Sean, why don't you say howdy out there in Canada, eh? Hello. <laughs> hello. And uh, Garrett and Rachel, why don't you guys say hello? Hello. Glad to be here. Good. Well, so so you guys are glad to be here. It's And it's obviously because uh, the story has purpose and redemption, right? Absolutely. There's a happy ending. That's right. And for Sean and Cheryl as well. So why don't we just start right up front, uh, Sean and Cheryl. Um, Sean, why don't we start with you? Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what has gone on in your life with this sexual addiction and when it started for you? All right. Um, well, I'm going to be turning 39 in in about a month from now. So, uh, I guess things things kind of started out way back when probably I was six or seven years old. Uh, had a my first experience was with a, a babysitter, and I wound up uh, snuggling up to her under the covers and doing things that shouldn't be done at that kind of an age. Mm-hmm. And then I guess uh, with my my family life and and my parents, they were in the education system, so we moved around uh, to a few different uh, small towns in Canada here. So, so let me make sure before you move on from the babysitter thing. Uh, the babysitter was a female; she was older than you, and she right. she fondled you. Uh, actually, it was the other way around. Oh, okay. but you were six years old, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there was no like she didn't stop it or anything. So right. Right. Okay. That was kind of a strange thing looking back. Yeah, at and age six. Yeah, it would be. So, I guess we were back to my upbringing was was Catholic in my family, and so I'd been. My parents went to church every weekend and took the kids with them. So I have a sister, and and so we all went, but. Uh, and I like my family was fairly strong Catholic. I've got a aunt that's a nun, and it was just sort of the expected thing that you just go to church on Sunday. But so I learned all the stories and and that kind of stuff. But never nothing really ever sunk in to my heart or anything. It was just something you had to go, or else you'd be in trouble, kind of thing. So so you're talking carried you're, on. You're talking about your faith. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, I guess I was probably around 11 years old when when I found uh, my first porn, and I was on the old Super 8 videotapes. Uh, I guess some of the older people remember that stuff. And <laughs> is that is that Canadian? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Super I 8. I, all I remember that, is VHS, so. man. <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago, and. Uh, 
apparently it was my uncle was storing this stuff at at my house in the basement, and I just ran across a box of stuff. And being an interested little guy, I watched my dad uh, do the home movies and stuff on there, so I figured out how to play it back and mm. got got my first experience with watching porn on on the screen. Wow! And uh, so then, I guess teenage years rolled along, and uh, satellite TV came into effect, and I figured out how I could find it there. So I was watching programs whenever I was, you know, alone and parents weren't around, because I would have been in big trouble if I'd have got caught. So it kind of started me off on the secrety of everything. And then I guess with with all that, I, I figured out how the masturbation works. So. I was uh, going on along with that, and with moving to different towns and that kind of thing, I I kind of withdrew from uh, like making friends. I'd, I'd make a friend, and then it seemed like I I don't know what was going on, but different different friends that I did get close to uh, seemed to pass away on me. They, there'd be an accident or something. So over the years, I, I lost about four good friends that I did have, mm-hmm. and I just kind of didn't want to get close to anybody, and especially guys I didn't want to be ever close with, with uh-huh. the, all the societal stuff. And you get close to a guy, you might be gay, so <laughs> I wanted to keep away from that. Right. And never really did get close to any, any other men. What uh, was your relationship with your father like? He was really a busy guy and, and had a lot of meetings and worked a lot, so... I mean, I always was trying to, looking back, I was was trying to please him and do good things, and mm-hmm. it seemed like I never quite did. Uh, so you were basically so, a latchkey kid, right? You, yeah. You were home alone a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, both parents were working. Okay. So that, uh, then there was a lot of pressure, I felt from home, you know, get a good education and do good things. I remember my dad telling me that if I didn't, I'd be digging ditches for the rest of my life. And mm-hmm. and then just with everything, I kind of, well, I went to university, but I was distracted and everything and kind of bombed out, actually. But the good thing there is I, I did meet Cheryl in university. And uh, so that was really, really good. That is good. Yeah. And so we, I guess I fell in love with her then through those years. And, and how old were you? Uh, would have been... Oh, 21. Yeah, I guess 20. 21 at that okay. time. I'd only had a few girlfriends before that, I guess, so I didn't have a, a whole lot of experience with things, and and the girls that I was with before that, I... Fell into the, the peer pressure of the other guys. Well, did you, you know, did you do it with her? And 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 then finally, I guess I would have been in probably about uh, 16, I guess, when the virginity was gone. Mm-hmm. And it was only with a few a few girlfriends then. And I guess the the first one that I really had serious feelings about. I was trying to respect her and was never anything sexual with her at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, found out one day that she was taken on that part with a friend of mine, so I was kind of devastated so, from that. And so another hurt. Kinda made a, yeah, kind of made a vow to myself that, okay, that's the way girls are, so I'll, I'll treat them 
like objects mm-hmm. kind of thing, and that kind of carried on, although I don't know how much of that I did with Cheryl. Right. Well, but, if, uh, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Blazing Grace radio show, and we have two couples here telling their story about sex addiction. And, Sean, well, we need to fast forward. Why don't you fast forward up to what kind of transpired in the last uh eight months of your life that kind of brought everything to a head. You know, you, you, you basically talked about coming from a family where you were pretty lonely or latchkey kid, you were fondled or you fondled a, a, a babysitter at a young age, you found pornography. So you had all the makings of, uh, of, of falling into sex addiction. You learned to masturbate, so on and so forth. But let's fast forward up to the last year of your marriage and what was going on in the last year of your marriage. Well, Cheryl had uh, been putting a lot of pressure on me. Um, she had her boundaries, and and they, of course, didn't line up with mine. I was working away from home a lot and just uh, would come home and think that my wife had to, like, I was out working, so I deserved to get what I wanted when I wanted it. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't going to put up with that anymore. So Cheryl, Cheryl was a Christian. You weren't a Christian. You were working. Right. You were working up in Canada, far away from home, and you were acting out, doing different stuff, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I was into like the internet and chat and all that kind of stuff. Okay. And I guess we'd we'd just have these blow up arguments all the time, and I was completely against her spirituality and and all mm-hmm. that and. So your intimacy was gone? Was your intimacy gone in the marriage? Um, Well, I guess it was in a in a in a pretty yeah, pretty much was. was, Cheryl had said one time she felt we were kind of just like roommates on the weekends. Right. Yeah, but once in a while we would talk. Yeah. (laughs) Thank God for that. The spark was there. It was still there. Thank. Thank God for that. So what, Not that the spark was there. <laughs> so, so, but the spark was there for you, Cheryl. You were praying for him. I know this, and you're going to share that. But so, Sean, what happened? I mean, uh, here, here we got all the makings for a disaster. What happened? What? How did this thing blow up? Well, Cheryl went to. I found out she was going to counseling, and that kind of made me upset because she was spending money. But uh, <laughs> there is. I just. I don't know. I felt like I was at the end of my rope, and I just wasn't. I couldn't take it anymore. And she she basically said to me at the kitchen table one day that I was a sex addict, and I you know, no, I'm not. And so I went, drove up to work that uh, that night and pretty much cried the whole way up there. And, hmm. and then I phoned you the next day, Rob. Oh. And, uh, okay. <laughs> and that was, you know, it was just... Uh, I'm burden off my shoulders after talking with you, and, and find, I thought I was a normal guy because working on construction sites and and that kind of thing, the stuff you see there and what what it looks like everybody else is doing just sort of fit the picture. I thought I was I was normal, and and Cheryl had the problem. Cheryl, when did when did you find out or discover uncover Sean's problem? Well. Um... Yeah, I used to be of the mindset, even though my family did not condone sex before marriage or anything like that, like I did not grow up like that at all, thinking that uh, porn was okay and stuff, but uh, I did fall under the uh, deception that all men did that. So I really, but you know, it never felt right, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, in my heart, I just knew that that way. It wasn't very good. 
But one time I was watching, after I'd started going to go to church again, it was about five and a half years or five years ago, I was watching uh, Dr. Doug Weiss on It's a New Day, which we have a show up here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was talking about sexual addiction. Mm-hmm. And you really did not hear ever about that. And so that just gave me this real grounding to just put my feet into and and know that there was such a thing as that, Mm. that I wasn't just dreaming it up or, you know, that my heart was actually correct in feeling uh, those funny, bad feelings when porn was on. or You know, I had almost gone into it, too, thinking that that's what, you know, men and women should have for a good marriage and that, that big lie that's out there. Right. So, so, yeah, I started to realize that it was a medication, that hmm. it's just like alcohol or drugs. Right. So, Cheryl, here you are. You're praying for your marriage. Uh, your husband finally decides to call some crazy guy out in Colorado. And, <laughs> uh, and what happens? What happens, Cheryl? What happened to your husband? Oh, well, yeah, that weekend had been really, I could see he was just in, like, I was a little concerned as he was driving back up to Fort McMurray that, you know, he could be suicidal or something because he was just feeling, like I could just feel his uh, oppression. He was under a lot of distress. And, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, very distressed. And I wouldn't I wouldn't feel sorry for him. I would just watch him, uh-huh. you know, cry away. Uh-huh. And then, though, afterwards when that kind of self-pity thing was gone, then I would talk to him again. And I remember just lying there with him and just holding him. And just telling him, reciting the Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is your shepherd, I said mm-hmm. to Sean. Uh, you will not want. And just saying that, not so much that his mind could get it, but that his spirit could be filled with something godly. Mm-hmm. And then I just had this thought that I should pray in tongues out loud. And so I started to pray in tongues out loud. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he was he just jerked. And he says, what are you doing? <laughs> And so I just know I kept on, and I, it was something going on there because I don't know if something broke them, but anyway, so he drove back up to Fort McMurray, and then that, I think that Monday evening, he said, he phoned to me and said that he had talked to Rob, and I'd heard of your name, Rob, because um, of the counseling that I was in. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I thought, wow, that, to me, that was just wow, you know, but still you don't know, you know, how right. much change there is. Cheryl, we're, we're going to have to Cheryl, we're going to break off for a second here. Okay. <laughs> we got. Let's hear from Garrett, and I'd like to hear what how you got involved in all of this. Well, Mike, you've already heard the whole story, but uh, I'm sure the listeners out there haven't heard it. Um, but uh, my background is very similar um, to Sean's, and similar to uh, a lot of people out there who are struggling with this um, from a young age or about. I'm going to guess sometime around 10 or 11. I remember vividly it was sixth grade. I don't know what age that is, so somebody else can do the math out there. But 11 or 12. 11 or 12. Yeah. Um, some friends of mine had a, a friend of mine had a fort in the backyard, and uh, his brothers had given him some pornography. And uh, so that was a regular thing after school, uh, go back to the fort and, and sit around and, and look at pornography. And, uh, you know, and then, if, of course, you're you're borrowing it from your friends and bringing it home. And it wasn't in my house. Uh, my mother would not allow it. But I was, you know, there's where the sneaking and mm-hmm. and being deceptive comes in, sneaking it into the house and hiding it. And um, so it was an, uh, a number of years of just uh, continual usage along with masturbation once I, I discovered that. Um, 
and then moved out of my house when I was 18. Um, you know, the other thing that we talk about is, is issues with father wounds or, or, or parents. And so, uh, for me, it was a, uh, a relationship with my parents where I was very in, involved in athletics and, and, uh, always was seeking approval through that, even though I didn't necessarily enjoy it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, for me, it was, um, the pornography was a pattern of, uh, dealing with life. Uh, you know, the stress of life, the issues that come up, mm-hmm. um, pornography was my way of, of medicating myself, right. uh, to deal with that, which is absolutely normal right. for a sex addict. Um, much like somebody who would use alcohol or drugs to deal with the pressures of life. Um, the difference is there's not really any outward signs, so nobody can see any visible signs right. of you engaging in this behavior, and that's what makes this so such an epidemic in our culture these days, is it's it's difficult to detect. Um, moved out uh, here to Colorado when I was 18, and uh, at that point, uh, actually, uh, the radio station that we're at came on the air and started to uh, hear about uh, Christianity and what mm-hmm. that was all about. It had formerly been a rock station, so uh, I just didn't change the, the preset on the radio. And through that and through uh, Athletes in Action, uh, I was involved, still involved with athletics, and that's why I moved out here. Athletes in Action came by my dorm room at the Olympic Training Center and uh, just witnessed to me and mm-hmm. uh, became a Christian um, and, and renounced the pornography uh, at that time which uh, was around the time that, that Rachel and I had met, and she had actually discovered pornography in my dorm room. Uh, and uh, Before you guys were married? Before we were married mm-hmm. and before I was a Christian. Mm-hmm. And um, so then renounced that and was able to, for a number of years, get away from it until uh, the Internet came along. And then uh, purchased a computer, was still single, living by myself, and... Uh, you know, I was able to get on online and, and search it out and find it. And, uh, you know, that was the hook and that was it. Uh, I was, I was stuck on it again. And, uh, you know, at that point, my, my walk with the Lord just completely disappeared and shame and guilt, shame and guilt. And why am I doing this and trying to hide it? And I'm not going to do it anymore. I I promise this is the last time. And right. And all that stuff. Um, then right before we got married, I, I confessed again to Rachel that uh, I was struggling with it. Uh, fortunately, she agreed to still marry me. And then uh, uh, and then through the years, there were uh, another couple of times where she discovered it on the computer. And uh, and the final time was uh, about a year and a half ago, almost, almost two years now. And uh, she finally just said, you need to get some help. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just, you know, this is not, this is not going away. This is right. not, you know, you, you can't do this by yourself. So it, it obviously it impacted you oh, in, in a powerful way. Very Rachel powerful. Can see this. If you're just tuning in, you're tuning into the Blazing Grace radio show. And we have in studio here, Garrett and Rachel, and also on the phone in Canada, Sean and Cheryl. Um, we're just, we're going to wrap up folks here. We got just about four minutes left. Uh, Rachel, um, Garrett has just kind of succinctly told about where, the marriage was at that time. What was going on with you, and 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 what 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 did you guys do? Um, I think for me it was, even though I had found porn a couple times around Garrett on the computer on uh, magazines, it was still surprising to me. I was pretty naive, and I believed him when he said uh, the magazines were my roommates or I'm done with porn. 
And so uh, it was a real surprise. And I think uh, when it finally came to a head and I realized, hey, this is a reoccurring issue. It's not Mm -hmm. going away. He's not able to be honest about it. Uh, We did seek help. And I required uh, that he start attending uh, accountability at church and then um, here with Mike at Blazing Grace. And that was a big a big breakthrough for us. Okay, so you guys sought out help. Uh, Sean and Cheryl were alluding to seeking out help. So what happened with you guys? You you were saying two to three years ago? Yeah, well, I was. I, I had a really good friend at church. We were supposed to be doing accountability, but we just went to breakfast and really chatted. It wasn't true accountability. Uh, and that was kind of one of the deceptive things that I was engaged in was, hey, it's not an issue because I've got an accountability partner. Right. Well, that that wasn't real. It wasn't really happening. Um, but once he found out, because my wife called him, uh, he called me and I went over to his house and mm-hmm. he basically uh, handed me a bunch of printouts from the Blazing Grace website mm-hmm. and told me to go home and read them and that I should also attend this group, that he knew somebody who was attending the group and had really positive results from it. So uh, so I did that. I went home and, and uh, read that Rach had required that I, you know, attend some type of group. So that week I had, I had, for two weeks I had attended, uh, an SLA meeting, mm-hmm. um, sex, love and addicts. Yeah. yeah. Anonymous. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I had attended that and then I went to, uh, the group that Mike had formed, mm-hmm. uh, here and that was just completely different. Um, because, uh, the first thing he did was he handed me a book, you know, it was like, don't worry about it. Bring the money next week. I went home and just dove into that book and right. just read it and and really meditated on a lot of the things that it was saying. And I just kept nodding my head as I was going through this right. book going, yep, right. yep, yep. Uh, and uh, so that was really, really powerful. I think the next big powerful thing was when we uh, got together uh, about f- eight weeks later, Mike and I, and I just said, I'm just white knuckling this thing and I feel like I can't do this anymore. And he just had this huge grin on his face. And I just thought, why is this guy laughing at my pain, you know? But the reality was, is that I was acknowledging that I I can't do it on my own. And that I can't even do it inside the group. The group's not going to do it. That really I needed to rest on the Lord. I needed to turn this over to Christ, let him take on this burden. You know, what we've done here is we set the stage for our next radio show. Uh, Sean and Cheryl, uh, Garrett and Rachel, we're going to have you back next week. But what we're going to do is we kind of set the stage right here. Sean and Cheryl, you got us right up to the point where uh, something had to change. Garrett, same thing where you guys are. So please tune back in next week for us to finish up this time uh, talking with these couples. And they're going to share the rest of their story. This is Rob McIntyre and Mike Janung here on the Blazing Grace Radio Show. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Blazing Grace Show. We trust today's broadcast helps bring you closer to God and to what God desires for your life. Blazing Grace is a listener-supported mission intended to help listeners around the world. Your support is vital in keeping that mission alive. We ask you to prayerfully consider sending a tax-deductible gift to Blazing Grace. It would be gratefully appreciated. You can send your monetary gift to Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. That's Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. Want to learn more about Blazing Grace? Find us on the internet at www 
blazinggrace.org. That's www.blazinggrace dot org forward slash radio dot htm. On that page, you'll find a downloadable copy of this show, or you can visit oneplace.com under ministries. Look for Blazing Grace Radio. If you want help resolving a sexual addiction, you can reach Rob McIntyre and Jason Graves toll free by dialing 877-590-SOUL. That's 877-590-7685. Desire for a specific subject to be covered on Blazing Grace? Tell Mike Janung what you want covered. You can email Mike at Mike, the symbol at blazinggrace.org. We look forward to sharing more blazing issues and grace-filled answers next time. Thanks once again for listening, and may God shine his grace upon you. It's time to be free to live for God and free to run. <laughs> I am.